1: It's June 2017. An African-American man with a short gray beard steps up to microphone four. The camera operators can't find him in the crowd. It takes a long time for the video to leave the front of the room, and when it does, it captures the man who will define the way this entire convention is remembered. I'm Dwight McKissick, a messenger from the Cornerstone Baptist Church in Arlington, Texas. This is Pastor Dwight McKissick, and he's asking for something bold. That the Southern Baptist Convention, the Southern Baptist Convention, would speak out against the alt-right. This is the denomination that was founded to promote slavery before the Civil War. But history has a funny way of sticking around. McKissick is pulling some old skeletons from the closet. Then, in the middle of his speech, he says something that sounds cryptic, even to people who really know their Bibles. Movement that many years ago, by embracing the curse of Ham, the Southern Baptist Convention gave the theological license to the alt-right to do what they're doing right now Richard Spitzer, James Edwards, who says he's a Southern Baptist, and many of them claim to be Southern Baptists The Curse of Ham. Sounds like something you'd hear about in an ancient horror story, but it's not. He's referring to a verse from the Old Testament that has been misread for hundreds of years to oppress people of African descent. He wants the curse to be denounced as well. It does not go well for him. I'm Chris Starin, this is Truce. understand McKissick's proclamation, you first have to know about the curse of Ham. It doesn't make any sense at first glance, not until you understand its cultural significance.
0: This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of Nine Lives and County, a bounty hunter's journey to faith, hope, and redemption. Written by Dwayne Dog the Bounty Hunter Chapman
1: There's a big flood, killing everyone except Noah and his family. According to the Bible, everyone living now is descendant from one of Noah's sons. Each son went a different direction. The youngest, Ham, went to Africa. So if you're from Africa, you have your great-great-great-great-grandfather Ham to thank for your existence. Noah gets upset at his children and places a curse on the youngest boy. Ham is to be the servant of his brothers. Remember, Ham becomes Africa. That means that Africans are supposed to be servants of everyone else. You can see how some people make the logical leap to slavery. Next time you turn on your television and hear someone say that the Bible says Africans are supposed to be slaves, this is the passage they're referring to. There's just one problem Ham is not the one who's cursed. Here's what the passage actually says. When Noah awoke from his wine, he knew what his youngest son, that's Ham, had done to him. So he said, Cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants, he shall be to his brothers. Canaan is cursed, not Ham. Now Canaan is Ham's son. Chapter 10 says he didn't settle in Africa. His children would later be conquered by the Israelites in the book of Joshua. The land of Canaan became Israel. And maybe you noticed, Israel is not in Africa. Africans aren't cursed. The Bible does not condone slavery or mistreatment of the African people. That idea is founded on a blatant misreading. Which brings us back to Pastor McKissick. Before he stepped up to the microphone at the Southern Baptist Convention in 2017, he submitted a resolution. That resolution was denied public discussion by a committee. So McKissick stood up in the crowd and asked and for a vote to reconsider. That you bring this out of the committee and let the convention discuss it and not be silent. Thank you so God much, uh, you. Mr. McKissick. He needed two thirds of that room to vote yes before his motion could even be discussed in the open forum. Whoever directed the live feed pulled away to a wide shot so he couldn't make out individual voters on the screen. There's no way to tell which way it's going to go. And then...
2: There are not two-thirds to amend it, so that motion fails.
1: The motion never even got to the discussion phase. It died. The media picked up the story, and it trended online within hours. The Southern Baptist Convention is racist. And just like that, it was national news. It means that people who were already angry at Christianity had new reason and the alt-right was ecstatic. Some people inside the convention saw what was happening on social media and tried Order. to get the attention of their leaders.
2: Yes sir, Charles Hebben from Capitol Hill Baptist Church. In light of the fact that we are being labeled as racist as the Southern Baptist Convention uh, by the media as we speak, I would like us to reconsider Dwight mckinsey's referendum from earlier. The- or have the president Condemn the alt-right from the stage as we speak right now, so there is no misunderstanding from the press or this convention.
1: I caught up with Pastor Hedman a few months after the convention.
2: You know, we said effectively, this is this is where it's going to be made out to be, and uh, perhaps rightfully so. Um, if we don't act, we are in fact uh, saying that you know the alt-right is okay. Um, so. Uh, Rightfully or wrongfully, though, we knew we kind of figured that would happen. And sure enough, as we started getting text messages in and emails in, we started realizing, yes, this is even worse than we thought it would be. And um, that that put more pressure on on us to, to need to do something.
1: Behind the scenes, outside the ballroom, people were meeting to try to get forward movement on calling out the alt-right. But these things take time.
2: You know, if the resolution doesn't come to the floor, it can't be voted on. And so my whole goal, let's get the, let's get the, the resolution to the floor. So it can be voted on by the messengers. because so I have faith in the messengers that they will do the right thing and denounce white nationalism and racism. They just weren't given that opportunity.
1: After Pastor Hedman talks, another pastor steps up to the microphone. These men know that the only way to diffuse a publicity storm like this is to have the leadership respond. I don't envy Steve Gaines here. He's the president of the SBC in a very public moment in its history. What he says here will be broadcast all over the world, and he must have known it. His answer is diplomatic.
2: I'll speak for myself. I don't know that I can speak for everyone in this room, but I believe that God loves everyone. I believe that there is only one race, and that is the human race. I believe that Jesus died for
1: everyone. He got applause, a lot of it but it was the wrong thing to say. The pastor who had stood and asked for a condemnation of racism didn't get it. Instead, he got a political answer, something that wins you votes, but not a place in history. But it may have kept his denomination together. Again, Charles Hedman.
2: A lot of pastors who had African Americans in their congregation, um, they they were thanking me for for doing what I did, um, uh, and they had expressed concern to me that that had not something happened, that they have the resolution not be brought back or something not gone on, uh, they would have had to consider uh, leaving the SBC because there, there wouldn't have been a way for them to go back uh, to their uh, uh, constituents, to their members, and uh, explain to them why the SBC failed to condemn white nationalism.
1: The good news is that a resolution was passed, but it took a whole day to do it. An eternity in a news cycle. And it wasn't McKissick's resolution. It left out any mention of the curse of Ham. The Southern Baptist Convention was trapped. They had to do something to keep the denomination together, and their solution was diplomatic. But they should have had the courage to address the curse of Ham. They are, in fact, a religious body. Their goal is to clarify scripture, but instead, they overlooked it. Here's why it's important. The Atlantic followed the story with some well-written pieces the day after McKissick took the podium. The articles, and others like them, refer to the curse of Ham as a theory or an interpretation of the book of Genesis. The curse of Ham isn't a failure of interpretation. It's a purposeful deceit that is easily debunked by even a passing glance. This story proves, if nothing else, that theology matters. Reading the Bible for what it says really matters. Otherwise, we're destined to take other people's word for it. Even if that word is racist, fraudulent, or patently false. Special thanks to everyone I interviewed and to the Southern Baptist Convention for the use of their audio of the conference, for which they hold the copyright. For more information on all things truce, please go to trucepodcast.com. There you can also support this show, find other episodes, and learn more about my novels and films. I'm Chris Terren. This is Truce.
0: This episode is brought to you in part by the Beyond Ordinary Women Ministries podcast. Do you want to grow in your influence? Bao's episodes feature tips for leaders of any kind, from mentoring one woman to leading a ministry, Browse Bows Podcast at beyondordinarywomen.org.